So this morning, we are in Romans chapter 8. And uh, this, week we're, this week's uh, sermon, uh, series, sermon is exonerate. Now, exonerate is just this cool, fancy word, which means to clear from a charge of wrongdoing or from blame, to declare innocent. It also means to set free. And I wanted us to, to walk forward out of our last series because our last series, series was open. We talked about being opening ourselves up to, to the Word of God and to what God wants to do in our lives. One of the, the last pieces of that was talking about opening our minds and allowing God to shift the way we think because then there's going to come opportunities. That was last week. We talked about open doors and being able to walk through some of the opportunities that God has for you and I to grab a hold of. And if we don't let God renew the way we think, then we're not going to really understand these things. We'll actually have some freedom and not enjoy it. Some of y'all that have known me for some time have heard this story, but it so perfectly fits and illustrates this. There's the story of the old uh, circus bear. And there was this old bear that had traveled around with a circus, and it had been in the, the little, this little cage and kept in this little cage. And uh, initially, the bear was just incredibly ferocious. It did not want to be caged. It was a wild bear. It didn't want to be trapped. So, man, it made for a great attraction. You know, the people would show up, the little kids would show up, and, you know, it didn't take much for them to do it, and the bear would be in the cage, and it'd roar, and it would, it would be aggressive, and it would make everybody be afraid and scared, and, oh, look at the ferocious bear. And, uh, and so, but as time went, the bear began to get numb. So pretty soon, to get the same kind of attraction, then the handlers had to get some sharp sticks and poke it. And mess with it and really cause it, injure it to really get it aggravated. And so, and then as, as time went, then this didn't work anymore. And they'd have to begin to abuse it more and more and more. And it would just escalate. There was, at one point, somebody actually tried to kill the bear by mixing glass with hamburger meat and feeding it. And the bear ended up being able to survive that. And when it was all said and done, all of the abuse, everything, the bear figured out a way to get through life. And it was there in its little cage, and it would take three steps forward, and it would take three steps back. And it would just pace from one end of its little cage to the other. Well, a bear pacing around in a cage isn't much of an attraction. So pretty soon, the, the uh, circus did not want it. There was no use for the, a pacing bear in the circus. And so they decided they're going to just, they're going to kill this bear. And... So uh, somebody found out about it and had compassion on the bear and decided to buy it from the circus and finally, at the end of its life, return it to freedom that it should have been enjoying all along. And so they buy the bear and they take it out into the woods and it carry its wood in, cage into the woods and they're all prepared and ready to set this bear free and just see it enjoy its freedom and they open up one end of its cage and everybody just gets back. You know, who knows? This bear's finally unloosed. You know, who knows what this bear's going to do? And the bear had just been walking three steps forward and three steps back. And it finally gets to the other end. And it sees something new. There's no bars. The bars are not there. And so it just timidly sticks its head out and just walks out of its cage. 
and walks out into the wide open forest and stands there and looks around. And then the bear started to walk three steps forward and three steps back. And three steps forward and three steps back. Totally free. Nothing holding it back. It's finally in the place it should have been all along. But he wasn't in a jail of iron bars anymore. He was in a jail of his mind. He was stuck in this rut. He had freedom and didn't know it. And would still live just like he would have been in bondage and been in jail the whole time. They eventually had to just, they just watched it and the bear was going to starve to death out in there just walking three steps forward and three steps back. They gave it hours for it to finally break out of its pattern and they finally just, they had to put the bear down out of compassion. The thing is, is that so many believers, when we come to Christ, we don't recognize that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. We are so free in Christ. We don't have to serve God out of obligation. We don't have to serve God out of guilt. We don't have, we're not trapped in this place that we were before Christ came and forgave us. But if we don't watch and we don't let that mind renewal process happen in our lives, then we go right back into the old patterns. We will go right back into walking three steps forward and three steps back. We end up in the same prison, but free the whole time. That's why we're going to be looking at Romans 8, because it gets into and shows us how free we really are. The Bible tells us that in Christ, we have been freed from the eternal weight of missing the mark. Uh, in all of our religious world, we use the word sin. You don't, you don't hear the word sin hardly at all in regular everyday speak. But really, it's the, it, was a, it was an archery term. We've turned, we took an archery term and we turned it into a religious term. But it was an archery term back in the day and it was simply to miss the bullseye. You could have missed it by hitting two counties over or you could have just missed it by a quarter of an inch. Either way, it was a sin. It was to miss what you were aiming at. And when you and I step into, and whenever you and I sin, when we miss the mark, that's, that, that's, that's the sin that comes into our lives, that, that separates us from God. But in Christ, we are completely freed from that. We, Christ exonerated us from that. And so we have to understand that we are free from condemnation. Let's read Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that there is some condemnation. There's a little bit of it. You can slip into some condemnation. No, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of, <clears throat> of, the, law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. There was a law. Of sin and death. We were tied to that. We had lived under it. There was something in our hearts telling us that we were judged and rightly so. And that's one of the things that carries us to Christ. We recognize there's something in it that says, man, there's something jacked up on the inside of me and I need a savior. I need some. And then, but once we come to Christ, then that savior has come. We've been set free. The, the weight of sin is not on our lives. Now we have a relationship with God based on freedom, based on love, not based on this need to, of, to be lifted the weight of sin. The weight of sin is lifted in Christ. My, uh, my, 
my buddy, Brandon Moore, is up here uh, singing and uh, tags out with our worship leading. And uh, back when we were uh, in college, then we had uh, we had more zeal than we had uh, knowledge. And so we would get real excited about doing uh, a lot of things. There was uh, some people in the past have accused me of, uh, instead of evangelism, doing evangelism. And so, uh, you know, it was, there were some things that we felt like were, were maybe getting the, doing things good for God, and it, it maybe did a little bit of destruction to property. And uh, we didn't mean to. Hearts were in the right place. And uh, anyways, but Brandon moved off to uh, Central Texas. It was in the San Marcos area. And uh, those of you all know, I don't, I don't know if it's still the case. I haven't been in college for a while. I know, but back when I was in college, then, you know, school there at San Marcos was known as a bit of a party school. And uh, so there was the, the square there in San Marcos. And so Brandon was, he, he liked to do the street preaching thing. And, uh, and so he liked to go out and to just yell at people and get in a crowd and let them know how much God loved them. And, uh, and so, which not everybody appreciates. You know, people really hate to spend their whole paycheck on getting a real good buzz, and then you have to come in and talk to them about Jesus, and they feel all buzzed and guilty and all this stuff. You know, I just wasted all that money. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, anyway, so he, they, he decided he was going to take a new approach. And so he decided that he was going to just offer free prayer. So he got himself, made himself a nice little sign, got himself a little sign on a little, little stick, and he's going to stand out there on the square and say free prayer. You know, everybody knows that there's that, you know, there's the hook, there's the hitch. You know, you offer something free, you know, then, then you know, what's, what's, the, what's the deal here? Not everything is just free. So then he had to, he had to put a disclaimer on his little sign so that people would actually maybe engage and just want, want some prayer. And, uh, and so in the bottom of his sign, it said free prayer and then condemnation not included. <laughs> then uh, he let them know that if you come and, then, and you wanted prayer for whatever, that he wasn't going to beat you over the head and, and heap condemnation on you or judge you or any of that. He was just going to agree with you in prayer and pray for you. And I actually had some folks take him up on it and, and be willing to, to be out there in the square and say, yeah, you know, man, this is really going on in my life. And I, I'd appreciate it if you'd pray with me on these things and been able to, to enter into some conversations and, and touch some people's lives. You know, but so many people think that if, the, if with church or with God or anything of that, that, that there's this guilt thing, there's this condemnation thing that, uh, that just weighs on people. And the thing is, is in Christ, we are free from that that's not how god lo- god doesn't god doesn't guilt us in to come to him it, the bible tells us that it is the love of god that draws us to repentance let's look at the at romans 8 again through the message translation it says with the arrival of jesus the messiah the fateful dilemma is resolved those who enter into christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Now, that's actually, in my opinion, is a little bit of a wimpy translation because it's not just condemnation in just this low-lying black cloud, but I, I, I think it, it's, it's heavier than that. But I think it helps paint a picture because so many times we see people who are sitting there and are, and are feel weighed down. They, they, they're connected with the God of the universe, and for some reason, when they think about 
serving God or going to prayer, one of the first things you think is, oh, man, I, I didn't do this this week, and I didn't do that this week, and all that. Man, I tell you what, you look at the Lord's Prayer, and us addressing any of the things that are sin issue, woo, it's way down the list. You know, so many of us, when we go, finally decide we're going to go to prayer, we're like, well, I got to. I got to admit to all this first, and I got to get all my, my ducks in a row with God in a hurry. You know, oh God, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to ask you for some things, but I, I recognize I've been a jerk to this person, and I was not nice, and I kind of lied a little bit there. All right, God, I just lied to you. I lied a lot. And, and, and just go through this whole laundry list of these things. And that's not the way Jesus taught us how to pray. He reminded us that our Father in heaven, he's our Papa, he's our Daddy, he's not just the the King of the universe, he's our Father. We get adopted, which we're going to look at in a couple of weeks here in Romans 8. It's awesome. And uh, anyways, but we, it's this low-lying black cloud that gets removed. Look at verse 2. It says, a new power is in operation, the spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. You know what? I tell you what, it, it, it's, a, it's a rough thing to make some mistakes in life. You know what? It is, a, it is an even, even more terrible rough thing to, for the rest of your life to have that mistake tyrannize your life, to never be able to feel like that you were free from it, for to always be hanging over you like this low-lying black cloud, some dumb thing you did 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago. It is all gone in Christ. The Spirit of God blows that mess out. When we begin to look up to God, we don't got to look up through that layer of guilt. It's just nothing but us and God. We have to recognize that. We have to understand that or we're the bear doing three steps forward and three steps back. We're free as free can be. But we think that this, our guilt, our, I didn't do this just right. I didn't pray enough this week, man. I didn't read the Bible at all. I, I didn't do this. I was a jerk to my spouse or to my parent or, or a co-worker. No, 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 no. We are free in Christ. We, we follow God from a heart of love the bible tells us that in that free from condemnation it it has the two two connotations the first one is that we're free from penalty romans 8 3 through 4 says for what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements the requirements that were the requirements that you and i did not measure up to in order that those requirements might be fully met in us the things we didn't we didn't hit they are fully fully met in us who did not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit again i want us to look at the message translation that says and now What the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished. As we, instead of redoubling our effort, our own efforts, I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to do better. I'll read twice as much today. I'll pray twice as much today and I'll make up for all these things. Now, if, if the Spirit of God is drawing you into more prayer, 
Absolutely. But if you're trying to please God by trying to make up for lust, uh-uh. No. No, please. Be free from that, please. God is not doing that. It is that guilt. Is that there, there's this penalty. Oh, shame on you. You didn't spend any time with me yesterday. You're going to spend twice as much today. No, God doesn't do that. No. As if instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. That is what this walk with God is all about. God is working in you and I. And you and I have to simply allow it. Simply not resist it. And you say, yes, I'm, I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to do that. And as we allow him to work in us, man, everything begins to shift. I tell you what, I learned a long time ago that, man, me trying to do better myself, I stink. I so miss the mark. I've heard it explained before as this thing, because God's perfection that was demanded is if you and I were to have to just take a good running leap and, and jump to the moon. Okay? Now, we could take everybody in this room, and there will be a couple of you. I can't jump very high. I'm terrible at jumping. And uh, yeah, six foot two, I ought to be able to at least like grab the rim of a basketball goal. You know, my kids have always said, Dad, can you dunk? No. No, not even close. And so, uh, um, you know, I just, I just have like almost a negative vertical, you know. You know, I, I just almost jump and go in the ground. It's just, it's, it's terrible. And, uh, but, you know, but there are a few of you I might could jump higher than. We go out and we jump. And there are plenty of you that jump higher than me. And so the thing is, is that you and I kind of having some, some pride and how righteous you and I are, how good at being a Christian we are, is as foolish as one of us needing to jump to the moon to save our lives, and one of you us being able to jump higher than the rest of us and going, wow, I'm way closer than the rest of y'all. You don't, you're not even close. You're not even close. We so Christ filled the rest of that gap. He did it, and whether you just can get as high as me or you can get as high as Michael Jordan, we still, all of us, miss. And that's why you and I have to be so patient. Some of you are going to be really good jumpers. Some of you are going to, in Christianity, you may look and go, well, why is Pastor Brandon the pastor? I'm, I'm jump higher than he can. I'm a better Christian than that guy is. The thing is that when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, it's, it's, a, it's about what we allow Christ to do in us. He's the one that, that measures it, embracing what the Spirit of Christ is doing in our lives. We're also free from guilt and shame. And you know what? That's one of the things that hangs over mine and your heads the most, is the guilt and the shame. There's some of y'all, man, we were praying for y'all. I just believe in God. Some of y'all are going to walk out of here free like never before. And recognize that in Christ, those mistakes, yes, they may have been terrible and horrible and set you back in life, but you are free from the guilt and the shame of that. I'm telling you, be free. You are free. Enjoy it. 
Quit letting mistakes of the past hang over your head. They are, they are free. You are free in Christ. Say no to guilt. Don't let any of it have a piece of you at all because we are totally free. So many of us say, you know, ask, well, then why do I still feel so guilty? Well, a lot of it we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the fact that we haven't allowed God to renew our minds. We'll beat ourselves up. Because yes, most of it, yes, we did it. We made that decision. We were there. We were all enjoying the stupidity. Woohoo! This is stupid and I'm loving it. We've all had those moments. And then when we, when we recognize it and then we look back and we're embarrassed of how, how much we participated in it. And how much we did it. And maybe it, it drugged some other people down. And maybe it had some repercussions that, that hurt some people. We so wish it hadn't hurt. And those things can just weigh so heavily on us. But I'm telling you, that's one of the things where we have to, we have to allow God to turn us free. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Especially you folks that are, that, are, that are married. Because we have to, as us married people, we have to live in forgiveness towards one another. And I'm telling you, the amount that you can actually forgive your spouse is however much you can forgive yourself. You cannot lend any more forgiveness to anybody else than what you'll allow to forgive yourself. The Bible says that we have to love one another. Our mark... Our, our ceiling, our limit, our lid that we hit on is to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. That is our limit. That's why most of the time you find somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of friends. They're kind of mean, kind of hard to be around. Inevitably, that person typically doesn't like themselves. Even if they carry themselves around and they think they're all the stuff and, and they put off this air of arrogance, it's made up. When it's all said and done, they don't like who they are. They haven't forgiven themselves. They don't like themselves. They haven't, don't genuinely love themselves. You have, I'm telling you, have to be able to let Christ come in and remove the guilt from your life and uh, free yourself up from that. You have to do that because when you do that, then you can begin to genuinely forgive others. Then you can genuinely turn those things loose. <clears throat> so there's that. Oh, forgive me. I've been battling. <clears throat> I didn't go back for any other shots. So y'all remember last week, I'm not a shot guy. And uh, anyways, but... uh. We also have to remember that there is an accuser. Revelations 12.10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the, <clears throat> and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Notice it says the accusers of our brothers. That's the, those who are in Christ. Those who have been forgiven. That, then there's this accuser. That's, that's Satan. It's the devil. And he has a, uh, will accuse the brethren. 
He's bringing these accusations against those who are believers. And I'm telling you, the devil is such a jerk. Because, man, he'll sit there and tempt you and all this kind of stuff. And you finally, of your own accord, participate in it. Get into the middle of something stupid. And then, once you've done that, then he'll beat you over the head with that mistake. Making you feel like you're just that big. Just a jerk. It's just wrong. There is an accuser. And we have to remember, when those thoughts begin to invade our heads, we have to push those things out and remember that in... According to Romans 8, 1, that there is no condemnation. I am in Christ. That stuff is a lie. That stuff is a lie. I am free from that. We have to remember that there is an accuser. So how do we deal with the accuser? Revelations 12, a tells us. We, uh, we overcome the accuser by the work of that Jesus did and the work that he has done in us. Revelations tells us that they overcame him. They, that's you and I, those that were being attacked, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, if you're, not, if you're new to this Christianity thing, that sounds weird, the blood of the lamb. What, what does that mean? Well, Jesus Christ was referred to as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Under the old covenant, there was this, this process that was pointing everybody towards Jesus being, doing the sacrificial thing. And that there would be this lamb that would be sacrificed. And, it, and its blood was the atonement for our sin and would, would cover the people of Israel for a year. And it was just enough just to keep everything rolling and it pointed towards Jesus. All the Old Testament points towards Jesus. And so when, it, when we look at this, it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb. That's referring to Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice. He hung on the cross. He bled for you and I. Out of his side, out of his head, out of his hands, out of his feet, out on his back. He bled for you and I. That sacrifice that was done for us. And then they overcame by the word of their testimony. Them declaring what Jesus had done in their lives. See, when it's all said and done, when the accuser comes then what you and I have to do is we have to remind him. We have to put some stuff in his face. And the first thing we have to do is we have to put the sacrifice of Christ, we have to put the blood of Christ back in Satan's face and remind him that, no, that penalty has been paid and I'm not under that. Now, I told you all a story last week about my, my grandfather, and my papa, love my papa. I talking about my papa jumping in a moving vehicle to, to woo my, woo my meemaw back and, uh, when they were dating. And I... Uh, my papa, is, uh, he was a bit of a, of a scrapper back in his day. He, he was known to get in some fights and, uh, now and then. Well, my, my papa is also, he, he was, uh, he's 5'8 and 3 quarters uh, tall. At least he was in his prime. And uh, so there were a lot of guys at school that were, that were, that were bigger than him. And uh, anyways, when he was in school, him and my grandmother, they, they were dated and were sweethearts off and on for for years before they uh, finally got married at the old age of 16 and 17. And uh, anyways, and so there was this new guy that moved to La Mesa, and his name was Buster. We're in La Mesa, Texas, back all in, in those days. So my, my grandfather's pushing 80, and so it was back when he was in pre-17 years old. And uh, back in those days, they did not have like karate schools or taekwondo schools. And uh, so this, this new guy moved from California to La Mesa, Texas. 
And he had actually, there in California, had studied some karate. Well, I'm telling you, man, that made Buster, that made him the man in La Mesa, Texas back in that day. He was the man. I mean, nobody wanted to mess him. He knew karate. I mean, it still had this mystique back then. I mean, you know karate, you can whoop anybody. And, uh, and then, he, of course, he was a new guy. You know, you got the standard, you know, junior high, high school thing. Everybody knew everybody. You know, everybody dated everybody. You got the new guy from California. You know, he's cute. Well, all the girls swooned over Buster. And then Buster had a little entourage. He had a little following of some, some guys that went with him. And my, my meemaw thought that Buster was pretty handsome. And that drove my pawpaw up the wall. So he already had some issues with Buster, but he was afraid of Buster. Buster was a lot bigger and knew karate. You don't mess with a man that knows karate. But one day out around after school, then my pawpaw's buddy got in a fight with this other guy. And of course, the, the standard circle gets formed and everybody's watching the fight. Well, my, my pawpaw's buddy was in there and was, was winning the fight. And one of that guy's buddies jumps in and double teams my grandfather's buddy. And then all of a sudden the tide turns. Well, my papa wasn't about to see his bud get whooped. So my grandfather jumped into the fight. that he was going to make this now a fair fight. Well, as soon as he gets into the fight, he hears this voice from the crowd telling him to get out of that fight. And so my papa's in the scrap. And he just yells back at whoever it is. If you're man enough, come make me. Well, he didn't see who told him to get out of the fight because he probably would have got out. And uh, it was, uh, so all of a sudden he sees this form coming up at him and he knows, okay, now I've got my own fight. So he turns to look at this form coming at him and it was Buster McRae. And he just couldn't believe. And so he just freaked out and he jumps up and grabs him in a headlock, which looks smooth. But he was just scared. And so he has, the dude in a head, he has the dude in a headlock startled Buster. Well, then my papa said he was, so, he was so scared that he wanted to get away. But he was afraid of letting go of Buster. <laughs> so I'm telling you, from the sidelines, it had to look awesome. I mean, this just had to look awesome. Because he has Buster McRae in a headlock, and he takes off running. <laughs> so he's dragging Buster... And like one of the three trees in La Mesa, Texas, he, he runs right into it. He's just in a blind panic. And he runs right into this tree with jams, Buster McRae's head, into this tree. So again, I'm telling you, from the sidelines, it had to look sweet. This little guy jumps up, grabs him in the head, like takes him around, boom, busts his head into the tree. Buster McRae's dazed, falls back. Well, then my papa, he's standing over, Buster McRae's dazed. He's laying there on the ground. Everybody's cheering. So now his boldness shows up. He's like, yeah. So he decides he's going to go stand over him, and he's just going to finish him. He's just going to bust him in the face. And Buster McRae comes to enough to see and goes to do this karate thing with open hand and hits my grandfather in the face, and two of his fingers end up in my grandfather's nose <laughs> and bloody my papa's nose. And so that made my papa mad. So he just goes ahead and smacks Buster, and then to make sure that Buster knew who was the boss, my grandfather, this is a little disgusting, my grandfather st stood over him and just bled all in the guy's face. 
and just let it just all run out of his nose and just, just filled the guy's face with blood. And as graphic, <laughs> as graphic as that is, and my papa, and he said, man, people quit falling around. My meemaw thought my papa was a man. That may have been the turning time. I may not have been here today had it not have been for that, him whooping that guy by accident. And uh, I may, may not even be here today. And, uh, but but he, he, under, he, he there instinctively did something to just finish it off, to just shut him up for good. And he put the blood in his face. I'm telling you, you and I, when it comes to the accuser coming back at us and trying to make us feel guilty for some of the things we've done, we have to do that. We have to get aggressive and say, no, I am free in Christ. Remind yourself, remind any voice of accusation that I am free in Christ. I am a new creation. Well, then why do you keep doing the same things? Because I'm in the process of being renewed. That's why I do some of the same stupid things over again. Because I'm in the process of transformation. I thought you were a new creation. I am a new creation. It's being worked on from the inside out. Just hang around. Stick with me. God's, God's working on me. We still got the, the uh, little old song, He's still working on me. Sorry, Brandon. I know I'm not supposed to sing, but... And, uh, you know, and so, but that song is so true. And I love it that we teach our children that kind of stuff, that He's still working on us. Maybe we're not what we're supposed to be, but He is still working on us. That we have to remember. Oh my God. Is it really 11 o'clock? Oh my goodness. All right. Okay. Well, Dave, get up here. <laughs> then we all have to remember that Jesus is our advocate. Romans 8, 3 through 33 through 34 says, Who will bring any charge against those who is chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So you and I have to live free from condemnation. It is not included. In our relationship with God, condemnation is not included. According to Romans, there is no condemnation. On the way in, we're right quick. I just want everybody to quickly bow your heads and close your eyes. Because we're about to shift into something. We're not going to take a long time with it. We're almost done here. I appreciate your patience. But if there's anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with God, who is still under the penalty of sin, and it's so easy to not be. You just have to receive what Christ did. Understand you can't jump to the moon that Christ did on your behalf. If there's anybody here who says, I need to receive the forgiveness that is mine in Christ, I want to receive that this morning. If that's you, just please raise your hand. I see that hand, and that hand, and that hand, and that hand, and that hand. Awesome. 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 We're going to pray together. I'm going to lend you some words. These are not magic words. The transformation takes place when you believe that this is true. When you believe it. When you put your faith in Christ. I'm just going to loan you some words. Believers, if you'll pray with them. Let's just, would you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, I recognize 
that I have sinned. I have missed the mark. But Jesus <clears throat> fulfilled the mark on my behalf. He did death for me. His death on the cross was my death. It was enough. And I today receive the forgiveness that is freely mine in Jesus. Today I am your child. I am a new creation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you were handed a handy little communion cup on your way in. What we, what we do when you and I have communion is Jesus told us, as often as we do, is do this in remembrance of him. We remember the sacrifice. We remember what he did. This ought, every time we do this, we ought to be renewed with the fact that we're not under condemnation. We are free in Christ because we are celebrating his gift. So right quickly, I want you to just take the first layer, top a little see-through, and you're going to reveal a little wafer. If you just pray to receive Christ, this is, I'm honored to be able to celebrate your first communion with you. This is awesome. This, Jesus said, take this and remember that this is his body. We're remembering that his body was broken on our behalf. That it was because we were in sin. It was because we had made mistakes. And that he wanted to pay the price on our behalf. So we're taking this and we're remembering that he lived a physical life. He really did walk this planet. He really did die a death. He really did physically raise from the grave and lives evermore for you and I. We're going to take this in remembrance of that. Let's do that this morning. Heavenly Father, we do this in remembrance of your sacrifice. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and peel back gently the cup and the juice. This represents this, the fruit of the vine. It represents the blood of Christ. This is the blood that atoned, that blood, the, the, the blood of the lamb. This represents that. That we have a covenant with God, not based on what you and I did, but based on what Jesus did. That's why it doesn't matter if we're good enough. Jesus was good enough. That's why there's no condemnation. It's not based on you and me. It's based on Jesus. And we're here this morning celebrating that he bled for you and I. And that we have a covenant. A covenant that is so rich you spend the rest of your life studying it and understanding it and seeing what's available. We're going to be looking at that in the next few weeks on some of that. So this morning, let's take... What represents the blood of Christ, the blood of the covenant. And celebrate that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. That cleanses us from all our errors and mistakes. Cleanses us from all not being right. And that because of this, we are right with you, Lord. We thank you for it and we celebrate it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I appreciate your patience and me running a little long this morning. 
we're normally done by 11. And, uh, but I just, we're just going to pray and be dismissed. You can just set your trash down wherever we'll pick it up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for, for your blood that does cleanse us. We thank you, Lord, that there the low-lying black cloud has been blown away by the strength of the Spirit. Lord, that we don't have to walk under guilt or condemnation. Lord, I pray that people will go free. Lord, that as they took that communion this morning, they remembered that they're free. And then, Lord, it is for freedom that you set us free. We get to live in that. It's about love, not about guilt. We thank you for that. Lord, I call everybody blessed as we go out of here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Your kiddos are uh, be there. Also, remember, talk to your kids about what you learned. They talked about the same stuff. So we like to keep everybody on the same page. Thank you all for being here.